0: Hi everyone, this is the Black All Year podcast and I am Stefa Doucet. This is our second episode of the podcast and it is taken from a recording of a live Black All Year event that we held in early May 2022. I think the content is fairly self-explanatory once you hear it and I'd love to know what you think of it. So please let us have feedback and as I say towards the beginning of the recording, Please like and subscribe because not only does it mean that you get access to content quickly, including some content that will be exclusively for podcast, but it also helps other people find our content too. I'm sure you'll recognise the first voice, it's me, and I really hope you enjoy the session that's coming up, Black All Year, Power and Privilege. really pleased to welcome everybody here to our second black all year event if you missed the first event on inclusion with humanity it is available on youtube and it's available as a podcast and if you're watching or listening to this after the event please like and subscribe um, as it means that you you won't miss any future material and it helps others to find our content as well I'm just going to really briefly mention about Black All Year and why Black All Year and people who were at our first event will know this. But it's basically because I got a bit sick of attention being given to Black people or issues or challenges and our achievements only during Black History Month. And then it was like we disappeared for the other 11 months of the year. And yet we are Black all year round. The issues, the challenges, the achievements are there all year round. And that's really what this is all about. It's a a chance and an opportunity to really get a chance to look at them, to celebrate, to challenge, um, and to discuss all of those things that go on throughout the year and not just in Black History Month. So moving swiftly on, I want to introduce our speaker for today. Um, I've had the honour and privilege of working with Ngozi-Lynn Cole in a number of different roles and guises. Um, she is an absolute powerhouse. She's a former director of the National Lottery Community Fund. She's chair of the Northeast Justice Together Initiative. Deputy Chair of the Appointments Committee of the General Pharmaceutical Council and a non-exec director at South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. And I'm out of breath, <laughs> but that is just a few of her roles. Um, she's also an amazing coach and I can speak from personal experience of that. Um, and she's a leadership expert and is co-founder of GLT Partners Limited. So I know this is going to be a wonderful session and that you will take so much away from it. So with that, I am going to be quiet and hand over to you, Ngozi.
1: Hi, Steph. Thank you so much for that kind uh, introduction. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for asking me. I, too, have the same experience of disappearing into a cupboard from November of every year until the next September when people start asking me to do Black History Month. So thank you. Um, From that introduction, the first thing I want to do is recognize my own privilege. So I have held many posts that give me access to a lot of power and privilege. And I really want to recognize that because it underpins our time together. So I don't want anybody to feel whatever I'm saying is finger pointy because it's not. I come from a position of privilege myself and I I don't feel guilty about it. Why, Why should I? but the point is that we don't start uh, from an even playing field. So thank you, I recognize a lot of faces here, so great to see you all. So what are we doing here today? Uh, The objective is really to think about the role that power and privilege play in inclusion and to discuss how we can break the cycle wherever we sit within our own sphere of um, influence. So in the hour or so we have together, we'll explore power and privilege. Mm -hmm. We'll spend some time because it's a black all year event talking about white privilege, but that's not the only thing we'll do. And then we'll also think about how we can use our power and privilege for good and what personal commitments we might want to make together. So I'm hoping that's what you came for and I'm hoping that's okay. Well, first thing I'd like to do is just go to a quick poll coming your way. I'm really interested to hear how comfortable you feel discussing power and privilege as part of inclusion. So hopefully it's showing up on your screen. Right, let's end the poll now and I'll share the results so that you can see. Now, uh, 44% of us, just under 50%, feel comfortable or very comfortable. Uh, right, that figure is increasing actually, okay, it's up to 68%. 68% feel very comfortable or comfortable. But then you have 23% that feel uncomfortable and 9% that feel very uncomfortable. So I think it's just worth us recognising all of that. I'll not ask you to share why you might feel uh, uncomfortable because that takes the anonymity straight out. But the sort of things I hear um, about this is kind of people feel a sense of guilt in terms of the privilege that they hold. People feel they don't know what they don't know. So especially when you're in a high-flying job where you know lots of things, it can be really difficult to admit what you don't know. Other people talk about the the society we live in where there's a lot of finger pointing, it's it's them and us, those who hold power or whatever versus those who don't. And uh, sometimes it's just, we don't want to offend, we don't want other people to feel bad. So there are lots of reasons why we might feel uh, uncomfortable or very uncomfortable. So please recognize that as we go through this conversation. I'm hoping that you'll participate through the reactions. We'll ask for a of hands now and again. But in doing so, I offer you a few ground rules just to make sure that everybody feels comfortable or feels as comfortable as they can be to enable us to have this discussion. So I offer you a few. One, the very first one is to sit with your feelings, including any sense of discomfort. Now we're human beings. We don't leave our humanity at the door because we're in in an, an hour session on power and privilege. So please sit with your feelings, including discomfort. I speak to people who have said they feel uncomfortable, but also people who might be feeling very comfortable now because there might be things that make you feel uncomfortable. And I know that I personally learn and have learned the most when I am feeling uncomfortable. So please sit with your feelings. Secondly, please be open to learning, unlearning, relearning, not just from what I say, but from the content I have, but also from what people might post in the chat. So please use the chat. Let's be curious. Let's be open to learning, unlearning, and relearning. So that's the second one. And the third is really important to me, no space here for blame or shame. So that's not what we're here about at all it links to the second because it's about learning. And I'm yet to do every uh, session like this where I haven't learned something as well. So we're not here to blame, we're not here to shame, we're simply here to learn. So that's what I wanted to say, Steph, by way of introduction, I hope that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And um, I know that when I asked you if you would um, do one of these sessions and goals, I kind of sent you a couple of topics that I was thinking about. And you came back and said, Oh, I'll do the power and privilege. And I think my response was great. I thought you might say that. Um, And actually, I am really excited to talk about this, because this is something that we've spoken about outside, outside of this, but it's a huge topic. So how do you think it would be best for us to just kind of frame that and condense it for today?
1: Thanks, Steph. I was really, really excited by power and privilege, any opportunity to talk about this and to learn from others, I always jump out, jump at. So in terms of framing it, I'm just going to share my screen and put up this slide. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that everybody can see it. Um, This is, I take this graphic everywhere I go when I talk about inclusion. This is by a group called Agents of Good. And they talk about this idea of equality in the first box where we treat everybody the same. I treat everybody the same. I don't see color, I don't see gender, I don't see this lives in this equality box where you have three people standing on exactly the same box but only two of them can see the match because the other one in the yellow shorts can't even though they're being treated exactly the same. And then when you move on to equity, this is where people get the support that they need. So I don't know if you saw um, over the weekend, uh, Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi was talking about private schools. And he, he made a point I agreed with. He said all of our education should be perfect so that people have uh, the right opportunities and advantages. But then he went on to say that private schools shouldn't be tilting their admission in the favor of uh, people who've gone to state schools because that's not what it's about. So I was interested in, well, if you base everything on merit, which is what he was suggesting, then this happens. People will be in the yellow shorts. They will not have the same advantages as others. But if you treat people equitably and actually give people the support they need, then you have this second picture where everybody can see that match. Now the person in the jeans, the, yellow, the blue trousers might feel they've lost something. They have, they've lost their box. But the point is that they could see the match very, very well in the first place. Uh, and the fact that they have lost their box doesn't mean their experience is in any way diminished. And then when you get to justice, you start looking, well, what was the cause of inequity? We live in a society that has so much inequity. If you're a Black woman, you're four times more likely to die in childbirth than if you're a white woman, for example. So there are systemic barriers like that fence that you pull down when you start to think about the cost of inequity. So I guess in framing our conversation, if we're not equitable, that is where power and privilege exist. Power and privilege, if on if we do nothing to create Some semblance of an equal playing field, we will always have a society of haves and have nots, a society where some of us enjoy much more benefits because of things that have nothing to do with us. So I just wanted to share that to to give a sense of um, how we might frame our conversation.
0: That's great, thank you. Um, and and I, I I do love that graphic. The only thing I think about it is at the end, there's still a like a a chicken wire fence there, and the next stage is get rid of any barriers and trust people to behave <laughs> themselves appropriately. Um, but we might be a little <laughs> a little way away from that at the moment. We'll get
1: there, Steph. It might not <laughs> be in our
0: lifetimes, but we will get there at some point. <laughs> um, okay, so power. How would you define power? Um, And and what, what really should we be thinking about around power? Okay,
1: so one definition of power, really simple dictionary one, is the capacity to exercise control over others. So that's what it's about. How does one group or one individual exercise control over others? Well, there are some nuances. I suppose the most common thing when we start thinking about power is this idea of power over people where the powerful seek to control the thoughts and behaviours of the either totally or relatively powerless. For example, a government might have control over us. Uh, A parent might have control over a child, Uh, even though I was speaking to the mother of a toddler who still isn't sleeping recently, and she said, you think I have power over my child? I don't. They have power over me. They stop me from sleeping. Well, the point is power over is this um, ability for the powerful to exercise control over others. You have things like power within when we can gain the self-confidence and the awareness ourselves to be able to challenge the status quo. That we saw, um, well, those of you who are as old as me might have seen in action during apartheid South Africa, but I believe actually watching the coverage of Ukraine, there's a lot of that going on where people I know that the, the West is supporting, in my view, not as much as it should be. But the point is that you've got the David standing up to the Goliath of Putin. So very much a power within that enables us to act. Well, I guess the third point I want to make is the idea of power with, where, where the powerful can share power with those who are not as powerful and work with them, partner with them, collaborate with them in order to drive change that benefits everybody, not just one group of people. So this idea of power over often creates a system where some groups, which you can refer to as dominant groups, um, oppress others. And this is where you have the breeding ground for things like racism, sexism, ableism, classism. So all of this are power with, and we need to think about how can we who have power and privilege, how can those of us with this power share with those who are less powerful to create a more inclusive world? Because if we do that, everybody benefits. Those people who might have power now benefit because in some ways we don't need to subsidize those that are without power. And also because we just create an inclusive world, a better world where everybody can be themselves, bring themselves into work. So let's do some interaction if that's okay. Think about a time when somebody had power over you. And I mean power that they didn't use positively. What did that feel like? What what was it? What was the situation? Tell us briefly in the chat. Um, How did it make make you feel? What was that when somebody had power over you? How did it make you feel? So can we just um, start to do that in the chat, please? Um, Andra, thank you so much. Keep asking for anonymous shortlisting, no names, no gender, no age. Blind shortlisting is really, really important because it just takes away some of those things. Um, Kali, thank you. Stop treating people the same. Start treating them differently. Lots of comments. So let's talk about power over. Anything in the chat about when people have had power over you? Evelyn, thank you. Feel really anxious when people have power over you. Feel powerless. Thank you. Helpless. Thank you, Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Uh, Scared? Yes. All of those feelings, really, that we get unheard. Oh God, unheard and unseen angry that comes up um, as well so these are the sorts of things that happen that we're thinking what's going on this isn't about me and yeah. um, when people have power make a point of demonstrating I feel my flight reaction kicking I get that fight or flight it's like either I'm flying or I'm fighting you I'm attacking you and then um, um, labeled.
0: one yeah. of the things I found really interesting about that parent-child example that you gave is people often think that power is held by people with authority and that's not always the case so having come from a kind of NHS background I've been in positions where technically I have authority over a clinician but actually they they hold all the power and the the way that they are dealt with if their behavior is inappropriate is completely different to the way that I would be dealt with and that (laughs) so that that concept of power is held with the bosses or the people with the authority is often not the case
1: at all. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. Yes. And power can be held wherever. It's not necessarily with the bosses um, at all. Busola, thank you. Taking my car to the garage. That's where I feel most <laughs> powerless. Yeah, I hear you, I get that because I don't know what's what's going on. I've got lots of stories, but yeah. in the time yeah. we have, let's <laughs> it I've, Evelyn's just um wants to ask a question. I thought is that okay at the moment? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, let's go for it. It's a conversation. Go on.
2: And Gossy, thank you so much for um coming to do this event today. And thank you, Steph, for holding this all-year Um, or black all year um, events, which are fantastic. And I think that what I was thinking about, I'm just to give you some context, I work in the NHS, I'm a consultant, I'm an eye surgeon. And I think that sometimes power can be, um, doesn't necessarily have to be anybody more senior. It can be senior, but as a black female, you know, surgeon, doctor, it can sometimes be from people who are hate hierarchy, but in the hierarchical change, who are not at my level, all right, may even be non-clinical and will be of a different ethnic group.
1: Um, Evelyn, I hear you. And Ranjit has just made um, a comment where your powerless brown skin is last in the queue. So we're getting a little bit into privilege now. So we might um, uh, just pause on power, but that absolutely occurs. Though you might hold power as a clinician, you are also a a black or brown woman. So that throws you out of the power dynamics and this person is seeing you as powerless compared to them. So we need to deal with all of those intersectionalities where our our gender, the color of our skin, whether we're able-bodied or not, our sexuality starts to cut in to decide who has power and who doesn't. So it's never quite linear. Excellent points, thank you. So hopefully everybody can see how it feels when people have power over us. And if we know how that feels, how then when we have power, can we start to use it positively? But well, we'll come to that. Steph, I'll come back to you. Hopefully that's helped in terms of power specifically. Yeah. So then privilege, you, kind of, as you say, we've just started touching on
0: that. So um what about privilege? I think a lot of people find this a really triggering word. A lot, of, um, well, a lot of people, when they are the people that have the privilege that's been pointed out, find the word, the term, very triggering. Um, so
1: what is it? And, and what's the link between power and privilege? Thank you. Thanks, Steph. So uh, p- privilege or the lack of privilege is how power is distributed. And it's how we maintain the status quo and how operation Uh, oppression, not operations, is maintained. So sadly, when we have power and privilege at play, we maintain the isms that cause harm. So when you're racist, when you're sexist, when you're uh, homophobic towards somebody, it's not just about sticks and stones, obviously we have murders, we have assaults and so on, but there is a harm that uh, oppression causes. So there was a research done uh, in Australia in 2021. If I've got time, I'll post a link to it, or maybe staff can share that when this goes out. It was research, a longitudinal study done um, on Aboriginal people in Australia. And it found a very, very clear and strong link between the racism they were experiencing and their poor physical and mental health, even things like obesity, things like diabetes, depression, anxiety, very, very clear link between racism and that. So we, do, we cause harm when we don't really think about power and privilege. So specifically on privilege, it operates on different levels, on a personal level, interpersonal, cultural institutional, systemic, you know, of all levels. But it gives advantages and favors and benefits to members of of dominant groups at the expense of members of other groups. So you tend to have something, you haven't worked for it, you haven't done anything to deserve it. It just comes as a result of who you are and it makes you um, have a degree of authority and power over others. So let me share the um, privilege wheel um, with you. Just bear with me and i will get that up. And
0: if anybody is listening to the podcast version of this, I'll, I'll share links to the slides so that you can, or to, to the images in the slides, so you'll be able to see them as well.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Steph. So I'm looking at the version of the Wheel of Power and Privilege by Sylvia Dockworth. Um, So hopefully you'll have a look at that. But let's just pick one and have a look at it. So look at body size down here. So in the middle, you have power. So people in the middle of the screen hold power over others, either because society is designed to make them as comfortable as possible or things uh, just work to their favor. So if you're a slim person in the United Kingdom in 2022, you hold the power. You will find your size when you go into any shop. You will switch on the telly. You will see lots of people that look like you slim is the norm. Nobody will point fingers at you to say, look at you, you're looking slim. Now, I distinguish that between people who are very thin due to health reasons. I just mean slim. So if you're slim, you hold the power. If you're of average build, you are somewhere in, in the middle. You're probably not um, um uh, enjoying as much advantage as people who are slim but you don't have the disadvantage or if you have large body size that's when people point out uh, to you they might make fun of you they might um, actually uh, uh, insult you or disadvantage you in many ways we know that many people especially women have not got jobs because of the size of their skin or, or this, because of their size, not the color of their skin, that's race. So there are a lot of disadvantages that make people who are on the outside of um, this wheel marginalized rather than having power. I was speaking to some uh, a group a while ago and somebody says class doesn't appear on this uh, wheel. Uh, I, I would say it partly appears, not that it doesn't appear. For example, if we go to Rich, um, versus poor in terms of wealth. You have the rich people who hold the power. You've got the middle class, so class is mentioned here, who sit in the middle and you have poor. But well, you don't have people, I agree, from the lower classes. So let's just play, let's use reactions by way of show of hands. Where are you in terms of that wealth um, screen? If you're rich, and let's define rich because it's relative, isn't it? So if you earn more than 500,000, pounds, then you are in the power elements. If you don't, you are in the marginalized elements. So show of hands, who feels they're marginalized due to wealth? And I am going to do my own reaction here because I need to raise my hand as well. I do not earn that much, but a number of participants are raising their hands. We are on the marginalized end of the wealth wheel
0: and and that's I, I love the way that you've defined that actually because a lot of people they talk about the one percent yes and i think a lot of people think the one percent is oh the really really rich and it's not when when we're talking about one percent it's people who are earning i think over about sixty thousand mm-hmm. pounds which i appreciate is well above the average salary but it's not the kind of money that people think it is and there's a huge difference between let's say for example some of the people that run this country at the moment and the kind of money and wealth that they have and your average person um or your slightly above average person who probably is in that wealthy middle class um, it's it's a very different position to be in you're really a few paychecks away from
1: being poor again Absolutely. And you're in the cycle of oppression, isn't it? For example, universal credit. I understand when you apply for universal credit, and people who work in that area correct me if I'm wrong, it takes about five weeks for your um, application to be approved. During that five weeks, the government might give you a loan to kind of help you because you're applying because you've got no money. So you'll be given a loan. Um, But the minute the five weeks kick kicks in and you start to get your money, you need to start to pay back that loan. So you still have less money anyway. So there's a cycle of oppression and then you've got members of parliament, you've got people in the public body going, well, you need to buy, find a job. Why are you on universal credits? Why do your children need to be uh, on free school meals? All of those We're going. it's your fault. You need to do something. So that means we do not handle the root causes, the wooden fence in that example of the impact of people needing to be on universal credit. And then the dominant groups continue to enjoy their position and we vilify those who are less dominant. So things like that. Yeah. And so I let's- I was just going to say perfect. one of
0: the things that I find really interesting about this wheel, and and forgive me if I'm about to um kind of ambush what you're about to say. It's is all
1: right, go for when, it. When
0: when when I first saw this wheel, I kind of went right, and, I, and I'm sure everybody's done the same. You kind of look around it, and you you say, where do I sit on that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, as a light skinned black um, cisgendered heterosexual woman, I don't get any <laughs> further than the middle wheel, mm-hmm. the middle of the wheel, mm-hmm. um. But actually, there are quite a few areas where I'm right there in the power. Absolutely. Um, So it just shows how people can be in different areas, depending on what it is that's the the dominant factor at that time.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I mean, do this, do this yourself. So I own property. There I am right in the power. Um, I'm not rich in the uh, example we've just given. Uh, I speak English. I don't know if I sit there because I speak English with my Nigerian accent. Mm-hmm. So I might be over here, even though I acquired English rather than learned it. Um, I'm not a cisgender uh, man. I'm a citizen of the United. So you see what I mean? As you go around, we hold power sometimes and we don't other times. And that doesn't matter. My my challenge is when we do hold power, how do we use it? Mm-hmm. But um, Steph, you've just got us on to skin color. So let's, let's look at that. So obviously you and I define ourselves as Black women, I know, because yeah. we've talked about it. But our skin tone is very, very different. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this, when you're a white person, you sit in the power um, thin. If you're sort of different shades of brown, you sit here somewhere. If you're dark, like myself, and I appreciate some people are dark, that you sit on the outside of this wheel. So yeah. let's just think about that for a minute. Let me stop sharing and let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, so I, I think, and it's, it's interesting for me, so I'm mixed heritage, um, uh, mixed black, African and white. And it's really only been, I would say, in the past oh less than 10 years that I've really been aware or become more aware of the privilege that I have because I am not dark-skinned black. Um, so that's not, I, you know, not for a second does anybody ever think I'm white. My features are not white. Um, my skin colour is not white. A lot of people don't quite know what I am. It's like, ooh, I'm not sure what you are. You're so exotic looking. Um, and all of that rubbish. <laughs> but people, but I'm not dark-skinned black. And therefore there are things that I know that I don't face that you, for example, and Ngozi, would face. There is a, a real inherent racism. And in my um, when I was married, I was married to um, a, a Sikh man. And I know then, and this is going to be a topic of an upcoming um, session, but I know then actually being light-skinned black really stood me in good stead.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Because Accept. I was more
1: acceptable
0: to to people because i was light-skinned
1: exactly yeah and then the way you speak steph also cuts in you know so people you can speak to people without them realizing on the phone for example there's a black woman behind that and i've got it
0: i've got a slight
1: georgia accent so i'm very privileged (laughs) <laughs> tick, 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 Yes, Masola, absolutely right. Uh, religion, I think, kicks in here because, again, if that wheel was done for religion, if you're a Christian, you would sit in the middle of the wheel, and if you're anything else, you will start to be marginalised and discriminated against. Yes.
0: Pam, I know that you had your hands up, and I think you've it again. If you if you want to speak, then please do ask a question. Um, I've noticed Andras mentioned foreign-sounding names as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm Steph. But my surnames I do say. And um, so that kind of signals me out as being different as well. Um, and Ngozi, you you, you didn't always use your first name publicly. No,
1: no. Moved from Nigeria back in 1989 to this country, and Ngozi has always been my first name. Um, moved with my husband to do his master's degree. Long story short, after his master's, he got offered a job and they kept offering him very, lots of benefits that we decided to stay. And that's when I started to look for a job. And that's when I realized I was black. I didn't know I was a black woman before, before <laughs> then. This was my late 20s. Um, couldn't get a job, couldn't, didn't get shortlisted, didn't get interviewed for anything, even though I already had a master's degree by that point. And in speaking to another immigrant woman, she said, out of interest, what's on your CV? What name is on your CV? So when it goes a call, what, what else would be on my CV? And after she had picked herself off the floor laughing, she went, they can't even pronounce the name. How are they going to show up and interview you? What's your middle name? So like any self-respecting daughter of a colonial uh, um, family, I had an English name and I started to go by Lynn. And do you know, I went by Lynn Cole for over two decades, even when I held very senior posts in the lottery where I was distributing, in charge of distributing something like 600 million pounds a year. Not once did it occur to me to go back to my first name to George Floyd. When I mm-hmm. thought, hang on a, a minute, why am I being so inauthentic? What's going on? And it was then I went, such people who don't know how to pronounce it, they can learn. I'm going back to Ngozi. So we've got all of this and studies have been shown, research has shown if you're Mohammed um, Abdulaziz compared to John Smith, they can have the exact same CVs, exact same qualification. One will get interviewed and the other is less likely to be interviewed. So lots of things. My name is, thank you for sharing that. Sarah or Sarah, I don't know how you say, it. really, really good campaign. And, and
0: interestingly, I very rarely share my, my middle names, which are my, my three middle names, the Freya Chama. Um, and when I do write them on forms, because they are very differently spelt to kind of Western spellings, people are always completely flummoxed by it. But people are flummoxed by it, do say, and it's not a hard thing to say. Um, so just talking about um, privilege, and I did say actually some people get very triggered by the term privilege. And let's talk a little bit about white privilege because it is something that um, seems to be very triggering for people
3: mm-hmm. um,
0: and they have very strong feelings about it. So some really interesting stuff on social media about it. I've gotten into many a, um, a, a word battle um, on things like Twitter over it. Can you help perhaps just to help people to understand what we mean by white privilege
1: um, so that maybe it doesn't stir up those strong feelings? Sure. And if it does stir up uh, strong feelings, hold on to them. Remember our ground rule about sitting with our discomfort. Steph, really good point on white privilege. Um, John Amici, um, who is a well-known psychologist that works in the field of equity, diversity and inclusion, explains it far better than I ever could. So let me play a video, if that's okay. It's just a couple of minutes long, but hopefully it will give you a sense of what we're talking about. So I'm hoping you can see and hear.
3: We've been engaged in a global conversation about race and racism. You've probably had discussions at home, at school or at work, and in those conversations, you've probably heard the term white privilege. You may have even had this term used in a way that felt like an insult or an accusation. Others will have told you that it's all just made up to make white people feel bad, and none of this is right. Privilege is a hard concept for people to understand because normally when we talk of privilege, we imagine immediate, unearned riches and tangible benefits for anyone who has it. But white privilege, and indeed all privilege, is actually more about the absence of inconvenience, the absence of an impediment or challenge. And as such, when you have it, you really don't notice it. But when it's absent, it affects everything you do. There are lots of types of privilege out there. The privilege of being born into a wealthy family versus a poor family is kind of obvious, but then there's the The privilege of being able-bodied versus having or acquiring a disability that most of us take for granted. I have two very close friends who are wheelchair users and I'll be honest, when I first met them I was completely ignorant about the everyday ways their lives are made harder through no fault of their own. Some of these ways are simply thoughtless, but some of them are just the way we live, just the way we build infrastructure, just the way everything works that just makes their life harder than mine. That's just one of the ways that I'm privileged and understanding that, embracing that, doesn't make me a bad person. But ignoring it raises the chance that my friends will be excluded in ways that are not obvious to me and as their friend, I can't allow that. There's a good chance as a white person watching this, your life is already hard. Every day you have to overcome some difficulty or challenge just to get by. But you can still have white privilege. White privilege doesn't mean you haven't worked hard or you don't deserve the success you've had. It doesn't mean that your life isn't hard or that you've never suffered. It simply means that your skin colour has not been the cause of your hardship or suffering. There is nothing but a benefit to understanding our own privileges, white and otherwise. It brings us closer to those who are different. It helps us be vigilant about the ways we treat others different than us. It helps us make a society that is fairer and more equal. Having white privilege doesn't make your life easy, but understanding it can help you realise why some people's lives are harder than they should be.
0: I'm just feeling all chilled out now, just listening to John Amici. (laughs) He's got the most fantastic
3: voice. Amazing
0: voice.
1: What a voice, yes so um just by way of discussion let's get into chat in one word what did you think what did you think listening to that video simple explanation thank you lynn very simple explanation yeah Yeah. So if you took out the word white and you replaced it with ableism or the other conversations that we've just been having, it's a great tone. it's a great and simple explanation. Yes, Ranjeta, absolutely love it. And it kind of presents it in a way that isn't threatening. So this is the problem with this polarizing in society where we're pointing fingers, oh, you're white, you're a bad person, you feel guilty. You were the cause of slavery, look at you. That's not what this is about, actually how can we use our privilege for good? How can we sit with it? Lots of other comments hits the nail on the head and lightning, something that should be shared widely. Um, yes, absolutely. It shouldn't be seen as an attack, totally. you know. So the fact that I'm able bodied, I don't feel guilty about it. It's just who I am is that I've been fortunate enough to be able bodied due to nothing I have done or nothing I've done to deserve it. So I don't feel attacked if you know somebody is disabled. What I should be thinking is how I can help and support society to make life as easy for the person with a disability as Jonah Amici said, um, as it is for me. So very much taking away the stigma, thank you very much, um, Adam, Evening. do you so want to lots come in? Of comments there?
2: Yes, thank you. Sorry, um, Ngozi. It's just because I'm being very lazy and not wanting to type. Very...
1: No, no, feel free.
2: It's just easier just to speak. I mean, honestly, I mean, John i to listen to him all day anyway, because he's got such lovely dulcet tones. You know, he's got such a beautiful speaking voice and he's mm. calm. And he's just so, you know, it's just lovely to, to listen to. But you know what, Ngozi, when somebody people do that that term white privilege does polarize people it really does and you know what not everybody can be bothered to actually explain it you know in a meeting environment so do you have any tips honestly because really what I want to tell to the say to the person is that you know what? go away and read Robin D'Angelo or do you know what I mean in a nice way or maybe I should just put the link in the chat of whatever (laughs) And just say to them, I've actually answered my own question. Just, just, just go away and just have a look at this video because sometimes you just can't be bothered.
1: Yeah. To explain. It's tiring. It's exhausting. You're right. You can send people links, but you can also recognize the privilege that you have. So if you sit in a hospital and you're holding a senior position like you hold, you already have privilege. All you're saying is that you're not privileged based on the colour of your skin. You're privileged in other ways. And it takes this thing out of it a little bit. Um, And that's
0: that's certainly what I do. Uh, You know, I I try to highlight my privilege Mm -hmm. and then say, and you have privilege because of the colour of your skin.
1: Mm -hmm. And often people will go, I don't have any privilege, you don't know what's happened to me, you don't know how tough um, uh, my life has been. I just want to pick up Robert's comments there to share as a white, cis, heterosexual male, how embarrassed he is that it needs to be said in a non-threatening way. Yes, (laughs) because some people feel so uncomfortable about it and forget that actually discomfort is a good thing because it propels us to action, it helps us to make things better. So um, that's interesting to hear really, and for people to start to think about ways that they can start to address their own privilege. So thinking about uh, privilege, just to summarize, for us to bring this section to um, an end, we all hold privilege in some shape or form, everybody on this call, I think I put this on LinkedIn on the back of one of your lovely adverts, (laughs) Uh, staff. Everybody who has access to LinkedIn already has privilege because they have some kind of PC or laptop, they have Wi-Fi or some way of interacting online and lots of the world does not have that. So we have privilege in some areas of our lives. We don't have it in other areas of our lives. But recognizing our privilege helps us to think about how we can use it and recognizing the power that other people with more privilege than us in certain areas hold over us, lead us to think, well, where I sit in my own particular uh, um, day-to-day living, what can I do with my everyday privilege for good?
0: I think that's a, that's a really important point. And, you know, I said once I recognised my light skin black privilege, um. For me, it's now about in the arena of of race and ethnicity. How do I use that? How can I use that to improve things for everybody, particularly people who don't have that privilege? So let's let's move on to that. How can we use our own privilege in whatever area it might be, but particularly because it's a Black All Year event in in, um, race and ethnicity? How can we use that?
1: Sure. Okay, so first of all, let's recognize that power and privilege maintain isms, the racism, the sexisms, the ableisms of this world. And these are not benign things. Research has shown, as I mentioned, that they are things that cause harm. So if we're not doing anything to disrupt that cycle of uh, oppression, we're actually holding up systems that cause harm, which means that we are complicit in it, whether we like it or not. So let's start, before we go on to what we can do, let's start with behaviours that don't help to break the cycle. So things like victim blaming. It's your fault. What did you do or say that made them say that to you? Let's think about guilt. I feel so guilty. I feel embarrassed. I'm just going to sit here with my head down. Thank you very much. I'll do nothing. Let's think about shame. So I hold white privilege, I hold other forms of privilege, I feel a bit ashamed about it. So don't really want to draw attention to it, don't really want to say or do anything. There is anger in there that comes up as well. I'm really angry. I mean, Twitter is alive. Just just try, put in white privilege, (laughs) you can say anything about it. Just put those two words on, Twitter goes mad actually got called out by somebody on this call. Uh, I, I see you, I'll not name you. We were talking about a particularly uh, vicious argument going on on Twitter. And I said, look, I just didn't respond. I was absolutely done with it, really. And she said, why? Why didn't you respond? You know, we all need to keep this battle going. And um, do you know what? I went back about a week later and I went just going back to this conversation. Da, 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 da. Well, anyway. I do th- I do
0: think, though, just to interrupt yeah. you, sorry, Ngozi, yeah, I do please. think there's also something about when you are in that position of being disadvantaged, you do need to maintain your own well-being as well. And sometimes you True. do have to disengage. And, you, you know, you re-energise and then you go back in for the charge again. So that's really important to maintain that as well.
1: Very, very good point, because the exhaustion contributes to all of that harm, all of that trauma. It's really traumatic what um, experience. Thank you, Steph. Well, but, but other things we don't do is the what about me? So you're talking about white privilege. I'm a, um, I'm a gay man. I'm a lesbian woman. What about me? And my answer is what about you? Absolutely. It's not top trumps in terms of privilege or oppression. It doesn't mean the fact that I'm disadvantaged because of my race means, you know, somehow worse than you being disadvantaged because of your sexuality or your lack or, or you or you're being disabled. But we're having a particular conversation about one thing here. So let's do that. So all of those things just keep the cycle going. And if we're not going to stop and take stock, then we'll probably get nowhere. So a lot of things that I encourage you to think about, whether you do do, sometimes when we examine ourselves and look deeply into the mirror, we say things that we don't like. But that's fine if we can catch it and do something. Yeah. Well, thankfully, yeah. there are several things that we can do to disrupt the um, cycle. Steph, do tell me if somebody wants to come in because oh, you're I,
0: fine, fine at,
1: at the, the moment. Serious. Yeah. Um, people who know me know I love quotes. If you get an email from me, there's a quote at the bottom. I just ram it down your throat, whether you like it or not. So there's one by my Angela that says, "Do do the best you can until you know better. Do the best you can until you know better." Then when you know better, do better. So it's about actually in this conversation that we've just had in just an hour about power and privilege, hopefully we've learned from one another and from everybody on the screen, do we know a bit better and how can we do better? So let me give you an example. Whips Cross Hospital and a few NHS people on the call, Whips Cross uh, Hospital, um, um, down in the South, in in Essex, I think it is, um, was the subject of an industrial tribunal just last year. What happened? A white nurse had identified that the black nurses on her ward were getting more work than the white nurses. They're all being paid the same, but the black nurses were getting significantly more work. So this white nurse complained to their manager, also uh, a white woman, about this. And the manager went, well, that's not true. That's not happening. Can you please stop making a a fuss when there's nothing happening? But then she gathered evidence and went back and said, look, this is happening. And I think you should do something about it. It's definitely really uncomfortable. Next thing, she's whipped off this ward. She's put on another ward. And lots of things are done to make her life as as uncomfortable as possible, leading to her leaving, leading to her going to an industrial tribunal, which found against Whips Cross Hospital. And um, they, they had to be a conversation. What's the point I'm making? The point I'm making is that this whiteness had nothing to gain from this. She enjoyed white privilege, but she saw it being used for ill and she decided to do something about it. So this is a concept of allyship. How can you be an ally to people who are different from you? What can you do for them in a way that uh, doesn't benefit you at all in order to help them to... Um, um, uh, succeed. So, what's going on in your own place of work? What's going on in your friendship cycle? What What are you watching on social media? What are you seeing that is clearly not right that you need to do something about? So, allyship yeah. is one way to do something.
0: Yeah, and I think that allyship is so important for two reasons. Is the first one that we've just mentioned, you know, if you're the person that's being minoritized and you're always or marginalized, and you're the person who always has to fight it is physically and emotionally exhausting. And actually, the more people that can be in there and sharing that that workload and that burden, the better so that you can take time out because you know that somebody else is going to step in and and do that. And the other one is I said in an interview a year or so ago, unfortunately, we're still in the world and go back to that privilege wheel where Mm -hmm. an older white man's voice will still have more significance and more power than mine. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what he's talking about, even if he's talking about my life experience, his his voice will still hold more power. So the more people like that that we can have saying this stuff, the better because they won't switch off because it's a blackface.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And if you're going to be an ally, it's not an easy road to be to to take, actually, because you will be attacked by people who don't like what you're saying. So you need to think about if I'm going to be an ally, what does it mean for me? How do I protect um, myself? How do I make sure that mentally and otherwise I am feeling the best um, I can? So allyship is, is one thing. The second thing is just simply calling things in or out. So you can call things out as that white nurse did. I don't like this. I don't know what's going on. This feels wrong do something about it. In the context of racism, you can use it when people use um, language that is not inclusive, that is abusive. When you say something uh, online that is inappropriate, or when you say poor behavior in the workplace, be it to do with recruitment, uh, with promotion or whatever, actually calling it out, this is wrong. Can we please do something about it? But also calling in, and I think calling in, comes in when you are not in a position of power yourself or privilege. Um, When you can go, I'd like to understand this a little bit better. So maybe it's your manager in a meeting that has said something totally outrageous. So rather than if you don't feel brave enough to put up your hand and go, "Ooh, this doesn't feel right, stop. Can I just check why you've said that? Can Can I understand why you're using that language? Can you explain to me why this is the way we're, uh, uh, this is the route we're going down. So ways that call people in that just break that cycle. Other examples, things like intervening when somebody is being talked to over women. I see you, lots of women have this experience. You're saying something, somebody just talks over you and the conversation continues. Going, hang, hang on a minute, oh, we are listening to Steph, oh, we are listening to Basola a minute ago. What happened? Can I just hear what they have to um, say? And also the point when you can say something, a Black person can say something, nothing happens. Somebody else says exactly the same thing five minutes later and it's, oh, that's great. Do you want to call that out and go, well, isn't that just uh, what Ranjit was saying a few minutes ago? What happened here? So those things, but they're also really simple things like listening when issues are raised with you. Um trying, come, coming from the point of view where you're actually interested in the experience of that person who might be different from you and trying to understand what they're saying, avoiding the, well, what's the evidence? How do you know they were being racist or sexist? They're probably just, a, you know, what, you know, don't take it personally. Where is your sense of humor? All of those things really help to break the um, cycle. So there are big things we can do, but also, smaller things that we um we need to be doing differently just to break that cycle yeah and I think that
0: that quote that you use the Maya Angelou quote about you know when you know better do better I look back on some of the stuff I did and thought maybe 15 years ago and I think oh dear me what on earth you know um so actually it's so important but but we're learning and learning yeah. is so important. And if you don't learn and you don't grow, you're dead. So you know, keep learning, keep growing and don't ever feel um, that you can't confess some of the things that you used to think or do. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the, I have two favourite quotes and they're both my Angelou and that is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a couple yeah, of yes. minutes left, and um, Ngozi. So what, what, would we, what would you like um, the people that are with us today to do?
1: So I would really like people to think about um, one thing that you can do. So we have everyday privilege, the fact that we're sitting in homes, in chairs, whatever, we've talked about the colour of our skin, we've talked about every sort of um, privilege. So what can you do to use your own privilege for good? What is the one thing? They can either stop, start or continue doing in order to use your privilege for good. So I'm just going to share one last slide, uh, another favorite uh, quote of mine. This is by the great Barack Obama. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. So you don't need to share this unless you want to, but what one thing will you stop, start, or continue doing to use your own power and privilege for good? So, Steph, that's really all I wanted um, to share. So shall I pass back to you?
0: Lovely, thank you. And um, I mean, if you if you want to um to ask any questions afterwards, I have shared um Ngozi's contact details. Um, but thank you so much for that. I mean, I I always enjoy speaking with you, anyway. Um, and and you know, you kind of think, oh, I, I I'm really experiencing this. But I think sometimes just hearing the same thing or similar things helps, and it expands your view as well. So even if you haven't heard anything new, I'm sure that the conversation and um, the setting that, and the context that it's in will have helped, and will perhaps help you to think of, of new ways in, in which you can support people and and really use your privilege for good and to make things better for people who aren't in that position so thank you so much angosi it really has been great I've mentioned about the next event which is on the 8th of June and that is on um, anti-blackness and colorism um, and I'll pop the link um, in the comments so you can Um, book onto that. I'll just say if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast, please do like and subscribe to make sure you see future events and help others um, find it too. Thank you to all of our participants today for your comments in the chat and and if you've spoken um, for for coming on as well. And I shall leave you with that. Um, Take care and hope to see you again soon. Thanks everyone.